to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me, we're turning to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, picking up in verse 7, title of the message is, We Are Family. A man arrived at the gates of heaven, I heard a story about this, and he, the angel was there to meet with him, and as the angel was in front of the gate, the angel said, well, what denomination are you? And he said, well, I'm a Lutheran. He says, well, you need to go to room 24. So he says, okay. And he says, oh, by the way, be quiet when you pass room 8. I said, okay. So the next gentleman died, and he's there at the gates of heaven, the angel's standing there, and the next gentleman, you know, stands before the angel. The angel says, well, what denomination were you? He says, well, Presbyterian. He says, well, you need to go to room 18, but please be quiet when you go past room 8. And he goes, okay, that's strange, but okay, we'll do that. Next person that died, you know, he comes up before the presence of the, the angel there at the gates of heaven, and the angel, you know, says, well, what denomination were you? And he says, Methodist. And he says, well, that's room 12. He says, but as you pass room 8, please be very quiet. He says, well, I can understand maybe, you know, separating some denominations for a period. That's kind of weird even, but uh, what's this being quiet when you go past room number 8? And he says, well, that's the room with the Baptists. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> And obviously that's not true. It's just a joke. You know, Baptists understand that we, the, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. They get that. But there are many groups that believe that they're going to be the only ones that go to heaven. And that's a danger. And there are groups like that. There's churches out there that teach, oh, we're the only ones that go to heaven because we have a special thing and we, we're the special people and all. And, and that's not the case. The family of God is very big. And I hope we know that. The family of God is made up of different denominations. There's Methodists, there's you know, Presbyterians, there's uh, Baptists, there's you know, all kinds of different ones. But the common denominator and the only way we become a family is through Jesus Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. And that's what makes us family. Our statement of faith, if you read it, I don't know if I haven't read it in a while, but it talks about how we're a non-denominational church because we don't want to separate ourselves from other people. We don't want to separate us, ourselves and saying, well, we're this denomination. If you believe this way, that, that, now you're a part of our family. And that, if not, you know, there's the door. And no, we're, we're non-denominational. And so we believe that the common denominator to be a Christian is according to the word of God. It's through Jesus Christ and him alone can a man be saved and being born again of his Holy Spirit. But we're part of a big family, and it's good to understand that. We're not the only ones. And uh, as a Calvary Chapel, we are those that I believe are in the middle. You know, we're, we just simply teach the Word of God simply. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and so we, we're kind of in the middle of, of the spectrum, I believe. But we don't have it all down pat, and I hope we all realize that. And we never want to be in that place where we think, you know, this is the only way to do church. This is it right here. No, it's not the only way to do church. But when things get weird or things get wacky and things get unbiblical, then I would say, you know, you should be somewhere that's, you know, teaches through the Bible because it's the way that we grow spiritually. We belong to a family. 
And it's good to be part of a family. So we're, we're part of a large family again, which is the body of Christ, the family of God, different denominations, but hopefully we're part of a smaller family, which I call, we'll say, the local church. And it's important to be part of a local church where it's, you have you know, brothers and sisters in Christ you can pray with, the brothers and sisters in Christ that you can fellowship with, brothers and sisters in Christ that you can you know, have discipleship going on. And it's important to be, as a family, part of a smaller family, which is the local church. But also I believe, and as I've been praying over this message with family, I believe it's very important, even when you belong in a local church, is to be part of small groups. It's it's very important, and we're going to see that in our text, smaller groups, because that's where we can really grow spiritually, when there's one-on-one discipleship, one-on-one prayer time, and and having, you know, that, that close time with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're part of the family. Paul the Apostle, we're going to read about here, he's going to talk about those that were part of the intimate family that he had, his brothers that he ministered to closely, and even those that ministered to him. So we're going to look at our family, some of our brothers in Christ here in these next few verses. So with that being said, can you please stand with me again? And I'm going to read verses 7 to 11 in Colossians chapter 4, 7 to 11. Paul writing, he says, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful, beloved brother, one who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. And Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. That means they were Jewish. And then the last part of verse 11, they have proved to be a comfort to me. Lord, we pray over these verses that we just read again, and we pray, God, that you would Uh, Again, make application for us and teach us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You could be seated. Thank you. We're coming to a close uh, of our wonderful letter here to the Colossians. We've been looking at, in chapter 1 and 2, we're looking at how Paul was correcting false teachers. He was bringing truth, combating lies. So we looked at that as we were in chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 3 and 4, we've been looking at some practical instruction, and we've been receiving, you know, just great practical instruction for family. But, But here... Paul is talking about his family, these guys that are close to him, those that are in his intimate circle, as we just read. And and the first one we see here is this man named Tychicus. So I wanted to look back in in verse 7, Tychicus. Notice what Paul says about this man, Tychicus. He said, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. And he says... He says, well, he'll tell you all the news about me, for I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort 
your heart. So Tychicus is going to go to Colossae. He's going to be there, and he's going to tell uh, those believers what's going on with Paul while he's in prison in Rome. They're going to, he's going to give them an update, and he's going to want to know how they're doing, and he's going to want to minister to them and comfort their hearts. And, but you see this, this man that we're going to meet someday in heaven. He's part of our family, and his name is Tychicus. If you're a note-taker, his name means fortunate. Is that a good name, Fortunate? What's your name, Fortunate? <laughs> and that's what his name means. It, you know, if you break it down, I was looking up his name, and it means, you know, Fortunate means beneficial and God sent. And that's what Paul was, excuse me, that's what Tychicus was to Paul. He was God sent. He was beneficial. He, he helped him in many ways. He was dependable. And if, you, if you're a note-taker, just wonderful things. Uh, the character of this man, he traveled with Paul on his third missionary journey. So that's a good note to take. It, it appears that he delivered this, the letter that we're reading to Colossians, it appears that he's the one that hand-delivered this letter. He trusted him with that. So when we get to heaven, we could say, hey, you know, uh, Tychicus, we read your, the letter that you delivered to Colossi. We read it in our church. So we can thank him for that. It's believed that he delivered the, the letter as we, that we know of the book of Ephesians or the epistle to the Ephesians. He was the one that delivered that. And the, the letter that went to Philemon, we believe that he was most likely the carrier of that. But listen to this. It's also believed, it, it appears that he replaced Timothy as the replacement pastor in Ephesus. He was the replacement pastor because Paul the apostle told Timothy, you come to me, I need you right now. In 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 12, he says, come on, I, I need you to help me out here. He says, and I'm going to send to you this Tychicus. I'm going to send him. And it looks like he's there replacing Timothy as the pastor there in Ephesus. What a man of God. What, you know, what a blessing that Paul had this man in the family that was a close, you know, minister that was ministering with Paul and ministering to Paul. He was a beloved brother, so we see the family. He calls him my beloved brother. Do you have beloved brothers in your life, brothers and sisters in Christ? I hope we do. I hope in this body we, we have beloved brothers and sisters that we know, that, we, that we're part of. We, you know, iron sharpens iron, and we're kind of, you know, with each other and, and, and helping each other, praying for each other. He was a faithful minister, meaning he was trustworthy, he was reliable, he was dependable. So obviously you can see this. If he's delivering these letters, if he's filling in for Timothy, if he's doing all this thing, he was dependable, and Paul says, this is my guy, I can rely on this guy. He's proven. Someone once said, and I, I like this quote, the greatest ability in the world is dependability. And it's good to have people that you can depend on, and it's good to be a person that other people can depend on, that you're trustworthy, that, that people know that you're, you, you, know, you walk in God's ways, you're, you're a man or woman of integrity. I believe we have many here at this church that are like that. They're, they're Tychicuses. Can I say it that way? <laughs> They're dependable. Every church needs people that are dependable, reliable, and it's a blessing to have that in the church. I, there's people here, I remember when Kathleen and I, when we prayed and the Lord had us uh, start a church here and stuff, and it felt like we were just carrying the load and everything. We had to be the eyes and the ears and everything. Everything was going on. And then as the church grew, it's like, really, are we going to, you know, where is anybody helping us? And we're doing this and doing this and doing this. Like, is anybody that's growing? It's like, we need help. And we were like, Lord, we pray that 
We could have people we can depend on, people that would come and be, you know, reliable and, and be a part of what's going on here. And one by one, God started raising people up, raising people up, raising people up. And we used to feel like, you know, I don't think anybody, when we first started, nobody, it's like they, nobody cares about the church. It's like they don't care if this happens. It's, they're just like, hey, just punch in. Hey, give us the message. Hey, thank Pastor Joe. Thank for the message. See you later, you know. And it's like, but the, as God started raising people up, we have people in this church that care about this church as much as, if not more than we do. And it's just a wonderful thing. It's like, wow, this is awesome. And it's an answer to prayer. They're taichikis. They're, they're like that. They're dependable. They're reliable. They're people that are here that, that love the Lord and want to be used by God. And they see, the, they see a door open and they just they take advantage of the opportunity. There's a gentleman that, I'm not mentioning any names today because there's just too many and I don't want to leave anybody out. And There was a gentleman here that he noticed that after VBS, we had a bunch of nicks in the walls because of all the moving of stuff and hanging stuff on the walls. And he just took it upon himself. He, he asked us, hey, do you mind if I fix the nicks and then, you know, fix them up and plaster them or whatever, you know, whatever, mud them and, and then sand them and put the paint over it. And we're like, yeah, sure. And he just took it upon himself. He came in here, you've seen him walking around. Hey, Pastor Joe, he's standing away, just painting and other things that we're not, we didn't even realize that there was things. And we're like, Let me take care of this. Let me take care of that. And we're like, wow, that's a Tai Chi kiss. That's a, a blessing that just, you know, take ownership of your church. And it's just like, wow, Lord. VBS, the work party, you know, people coming in, just serving and just taking care of knowing that there's help needed. That This is Tai Chikas. This is the man. He's, he's the go-to guy. And the one that Paul says, well, we've got a letter here. needs to be delivered. Tai Chikas. He's the one. Why, why Tai Chikas? Why not somebody? No, give it to him. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He'll deliver that letter. And thank you, Lord, that he did deliver the letter because now we're here today looking at this wonderful letter because we had one man that was dependable. Sunday morning, just a blessing, watching people use their gifts and talents here in this church. Throughout the week, people coming in and just being used. And I, and I get it. You know, there's those of you that are working full-time or you have families and you can't do it. It's not a, it's, this is not a slam to anybody in here saying, hey, you should be here. You know, I want to see you here. No, it's not a slam to you. You're doing your part and you're doing, you know, what you need to do for the Lord's sake. And that's good. That's great. And there's those businessmen that are here. They're helping support the church and giving to the church so we can put on these events and we can pay our bills. And so we, we do have electricity. Yeah, so we can have electricity in the, in the building. Dependable. They're working hard and, and doing it. We all do our part. It's a reminder with Tychicus. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. You know, you hear people say that, you know, idle hands are the, the devil's playground, and I, I find that to be. If I have all this time on my hands, I'm not busy in the things of the Lord, really, I could get myself in trouble. I, I really can. It's like too much time on my hands. I love it. I love the fact that God's got us busy. God's got us doing things, and God's keeping us active for the things of him. But if you're here today, and you've got total idle hands, you're like... Oh, well, get up at about noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, well, maybe two in the afternoon and just kind of hang out for a while. And I have my coffee until about five o'clock at night. And I was like, you got too much time in your hands. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but really, just, uh, just know what the Lord's called you to. Be dependable, be reliable, be a tight cheekus because it'll destroy you. But if you have integrity and you're, 
you're just seeking the things of God, it's gonna guide you. God will guide you. His Holy Spirit will guide you, and there's nothing like it. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Corinth, says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. Do people consider you as a servant of Christ? If they know your name, they, you know, so-and-so. I, I could, you know, I'm not gonna do this to anybody in this place, but I can yell out a name, the people that I'm looking at all through here, and then if I say, oh, so-and-so, could everyone say, a servant of Christ? Pastor Joe, servant of Christ. No, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing my name because I don't want to put out anyone else's name because <laughs> we'll be here all day. I'll just go, okay. And how embarrassing if we go, we yell out a name and they're like, well, who's that? Or maybe you just don't know the person. But isn't it nice to know that you're a servant of Christ? That, that let, Paul says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ. What a great way to be known as a servant of Christ. So-and-so, servant of Christ. And there's people in here, if I, if I yelled out their names, most of you, I'd say probably at least 50% of you or more would say, servant of Christ, servant of Christ, servant of Christ. So let us be considered that. And stewards of the mysteries of God, Paul the Apostle, he was, that was his calling, to, to be a steward of the mysteries of God, to, to open up the truths of God's word. Moreover, it's required, and we know this one pretty well, it's required in stewards that one be found Faithful. So just a reminder for us as we see this wonderful man, Tychicus. The next man we have, Onesimus. If you're a note taker, his name means profitable, helpful. Onesimus, most of you, if you've studied scripture at all, you know that Onesimus was a runaway slave. He ran away from Philemon. You can read about him in the, the epistle of Philemon. He ended up in prison with Paul. And when he was in prison with Paul, Paul led him to Christ and he became a believer this man Onesimus. And if you recall, Paul writes a letter to Philemon regarding this slave that ran away, this slave that was arrested. And he writes a letter to Philemon and he says, hey Philemon, I want you to know, I don't want you, I'm bringing Onesimus back to you. He's been such a help to me. He's a changed man. You're gonna love him, but don't bring him back as a, a slave. Bring him back as a brother in Christ. And you remember what else he said? It blows my mind. He says, and if, because, you know, it probably cost him money to buy another slave, to have another worker to replace him. He says, if he cost you anything, if he owes you anything, he says, put it on my account, right? Remember that? But listen what he said. And he says, and I love this. That I've never, it's almost the only place when I hear Paul talking like this. And he says, but just remember, you owe me your very life. That's what he basically said. He says, you owe me, and Philemon, read, read it. So in other words, I believe Paul the Apostle led Philemon also to the Lord. So he's saying, hey, you, you owe me your life. But if, you know, if I owe you some money, a little bit of, you know, little bit of money for this. But uh, keep in mind, it's because of you know, the ministry that we have here that you, you have life. Little manipulation? No, I don't think so. No, I think it's just, no, no I don't think it's manipulation. <laughs> no, just a joke, please. Onesimus reminds us as we close out this wonderful book, this letter, he reminds us that when a person comes to Christ, their past is totally forgiven. Onesimus, they become a new person. Onesimus, no longer a slave. He's a brother in Christ. We here that are believers, we're no longer a slave to sin. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, we know it very well, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, everything becomes new. 
We're new in Christ. I had a sister just recently come to me and she says, Pastor, I have a real important question to ask you. She says, you know, I was married before I knew the Lord and I was divorced before I knew the Lord and, and uh, now I became a Christian and my question is, can I ever remarry? Is it forbidden or what does the Bible say? I says, well, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything's become new. And she says, I, I thought so. People are telling me I can't get remarried and all that stuff. It says, no, well, that's not true. Not if it happened before you were a believer. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Onesimus reminds us of that, that we were once slaves to sin, but now we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's look back in our text, please. Back to verse, uh, verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So Aristarchus, he was a Jewish believer. He was faithful to stay by Paul's side. He's, some believe he never left his side. He was a, it says here that he, uh, a fellow prisoner. It's believed that he, he just basically poured his life into Paul to minister to Paul, and he became a prisoner. He was, he was there with them in prison by choice. He just wanted to minister to Paul because he knew that Paul had a calling on his life. So he was faithful in that. Paul needed help. When we read through scripture, we never see Paul the apostle ministering alone. He's always ministering with others. The only time we see a brief time of Paul the apostle ministering by himself is in Acts chapter 17, there in Athens. It was just a short period of time. But it shows us that we need each other. We, we need in ministry, we need each other. We, there's no lone ranger. And I, we, we have to beware of this lone ranger thing. You know, I, I, know, uh, I know people like that. I've ministered with people like that, that all of a sudden they get this whole thing. It's like, no, 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 it's just me and I'm going to minister and I'm going to do this and then and nobody, they don't, oh, what church you go to? Oh, I don't belong to an established church. It's just me. I'm just ministering away and I'm the minister and I'm the, and it's just this lone ranger thing. It's just that they're by themselves and it's, you beware, Paul doesn't do that. He's constantly surrounded by men of God. He's in women of God and he's, he's teaming up with them. And so we need to beware and the warning goes out. I don't know if you realize, most of you probably realize this, that we here at, the, at Calvary Chapel, we have a board of elders. We have men that I meet with and we pray and we make decisions and that's part of the ministry. There's seven of us pastors here and we get together, we pray, we go through this. And so we talk about the things that are going on in ministry. We pray over the things in ministry. We have others here, administrative people that are here. And we do, it's not like it's a one-man show. Everything we're doing, just a one-man show. No, we're ministering together. And final decisions, yes, as the, as the pastor of the church, you know, there's decisions that, you know, I need to pray over and make, you know, based on, you know, seeking the Lord. But you see with Paul the Apostle, it's, he had others around him, and it's important to have that. I think of Joshua, when Joshua was out fighting the Amalekites. Remember that story? Where was Moses? When Joshua was fighting the Amalekites, where was Moses? Anybody know? He was up on the hill. He was praying, right? Joshua's down there. He was doing the physical work. He's fighting away. He could look up at the, wow, look at Moses. He's got his arms up. We are winning. Wait, his arms are going down. We're losing. We're losing. We're losing. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Read, the, read about it. Oh, his arms are going back up. Whoa, we're winning. Look, his arms are up. He's praying. He's interceding. That, wow. Shh, shh, shh. 
Oh, his arms are going down again. That's what was happening. While he was praying and while his arms were lifted up, he was interceding with the staff of God in his hand. Victory was happening. And what did Aaron and Hur do? They, were, they had a part to play too. They were lifting his hands up. They're like, whoa, whoa, they're watching the battle. It's like, wait, they're watching. I, I like visualizing things. So I'm seeing the battles winning. You know, the battle's being won with Joshua. He's fighting. And then the arms are going down. And Hur and Aaron are up there probably just watching it go down, watching it go up, saying, maybe we should be doing something, right? Maybe, maybe we got a part to play in this. You know, they're watching defeat winning. Defeat winning. Hey, let, why don't we keep his arms up? You know, so that's what they did. So they, they held up the arms of, of the, the hands they held up of Moses because when his arms and his hands were lifted up, there was great victory. What if Aaron and Hur just decided, I'm not very good at this holding up arm stuff. I don't know what God wants me to do. What, what would have happened? It would have been total defeat. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.